Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was joined by Danielle Patrice, who was joining me from the USA, and she was talking about how domestic violence is interwoven in our society, about the generational trauma of domestic violence, the impact it has on our brains, the cost to society. We were just talking through a lot of it and I referred back to a podcast I did with my sister because she does work in the domestic violence area too, which was podcast 100. And that was about finding a a cat, a place in the middle where you can try to calm conflict. And so that was really interesting too for anybody that is specifically interested in this subject area. But I hope that you really enjoy this conversation that I had with Danielle. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, yes. Oh, perfect. Tell me a bit about you. So I am a citizen of the U.S. and I'm a domestic violence survivor. I'm a mother, motivational speaker, and now author of Neuroscience, the Ecosystem of Domestic Violence. Interesting, because actually... If you go back to podcast number 100, my sister works as she's a lawyer, a solicitor, and she works in the area of domestic violence. She talks a lot in that podcast about legal mediation and trying to find the best balance for, for both people um, within when it comes to your children and everything else that you try to do. So, um, yeah, so it's quite interesting, something that I'm very in that conversation as well, because it's something that my sister deals with. Um, so tell me, I know that you've been thinking about it and thank you very much for getting in touch to come on the podcast. What do you know for sure? People think that domestic violence includes just two people and it's just a behind the scenes, a relationship that has grown awry. And the real truth is, is that it is interwoven and interconnected within society, within our, our beliefs, within our values, within, well, I would say for American system, at least. You know, it's interwoven in our courts. It's the way that we we live, the way we are, it's things that have been taught down from generations to generations. And the problem is that ultimately, like I explained in the book, that it really, there's something going on inside of the brain that impacts it from domestic violence. It is impacted in the brain, depending on the limbic system, which is the emotional portion of the brain. It regulates the emotions. And if there's some imbalance, that can lead to some sort of imbalance in the brain and lead into a personality, including, and I've said this in previous podcasts, that there's a portion in the brain where there's a, uh, it's called gray matter. And the less gray matter that you have in the brain, which are the ridges in the brain, it can cause some sort of uh, mental health issues like schizophrenia. Yeah. If there is a, in the prefrontal cortex, which is in the front portion of the brain, the front right portion, and if there's some damage, it could cause the person to increase uh, any violent aggressions towards someone. So that's just the start of, you know, the brain impact, which could lead to domestic violence within the relationship. Uh-huh. And then it's also, when I talk about in the ecosystem, again, you know, you have different people that play parts in it. I'll say in the far as American system, it's, it's, it's an incident-based type of system where something happens, you go to jail, but there's no specific domestic violence law that is that's everything is underneath. It's kind of reverse where if it's assault, simple assault, if there's different things, you know, it's it it's not as a uh, a type of I say law where 
it's a felony to the point where it's under domestic violence, where every every uh, assault or every type of consequence is a felony. It's not that. And so I feel that there's a lot of things that need to change within the system. Mm. And I also, you know, I know that, you know, again, I am U.S. citizen. However, I understand even in Scotland, there's an endemic where there's certain areas that are constantly having domestic violence cases. And unfortunately, you know, even though our systems are different, we can all understand that domestic violence is a global issue that needs to be eradicated and needs to be changed so that people can be at peace and have and have healthy lives. Yeah. Because ultimately, and I'll just say real quick, ultimately, it can change your, it can rewire your, your, uh, your brain. It can rewire your body. It can, you know, take years off of your life and it can, physiologically, it can make you a decade older. Yeah, I have no doubt. So, yeah, I have no doubts. And well, fortunately, I've never been a victim of domestic violence or lived in a house where there was domestic violence. And I'm, I'm really sorry that you have. I've always been aware of it because my sister has, has worked in that area of law for like 35 years. My daughter's at law school just now and she's specialising in that for her dissertation and things like that. And I'm really aware of it as being an epidemic, I would say. Um, in Scotland, what we do, I don't know all the legal parts, but I know that we have made in Scotland coercive control as a crime. So, with that, so within that and, and domestic violence. But interestingly, recently, I just last week, I was speaking to my sister about this and she was saying that she, she and others within, within Scotland are talking a lot just now about it becoming a public health issue, domestic violence. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, I'm going to ask you just, do they have any like any case studies within your law systems where they talk about what happens to like any mental health so issues? I'm sure they must. I'm sure they must, but not that, not that I know of. But what I would be interested, I suppose, to ask you about is like, you know that it's interwoven in society. Do you have a, a thought, because you said you, you speak about this and you've written a book. Do you have thought about how we move beyond it? Because it does feel sometimes like we can't move beyond it. We talk about it more. It's not something that's hidden anymore, but it's still happening all the time. And so I, I just wonder if what your thoughts are when it comes to your speaking, your experience, your writing about how we move beyond this. Well, I think that doctors and scientists have to be involved in the in the room where the legal system, where the courts are, where the policymakers are, where the lawmakers are, because a lot of times they're, you know, they're making laws based off of previous laws or based off of lobbyists. Well, like I, said, I can only speak to American society and uh, the legal system there. Uh, but however, if you have scientists who have conducted studies and experimentation on this, where there's tons of studies out there that talks about the health of domestic violence and, and what it does to people you know, scientifically, you have mental health professionals, you have psychologists, all of these people need to be in those rooms so that that can be a start for people to understand how severe the situation is. You know, so once those rules are established or those laws are established, then one, you can seek help with the, with the abuser. The abuser is the one that, that needs the most help. And I'm not excusing anything with the abuser because the abusers, from what a batterer's intervention program has explained, that the abuser is originally the victim who has chosen this path. The problem starts with the abuser. We need to find out what is going on with the abuser and treat 
getting this abuser help, like going to a rehab facility, find out what's going on. The police have to get involved and start treating domestic violence cases as if they were homicide cases. Do extensive research. Who is around this abuser? What is going on? What is happening so that these abusers can stop abusing victims? Because we're creating more victims and nobody seems to understand what is happening to these victims. And unfortunately, a lot of victims are losing their lives because People are not aware and don't understand that what you can't understand, you cannot change. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I know in some of the work I've done, I work in the charity sector in, in the UK and Scotland. And we would talk about the cost to society of certain things taking part. So we know that the cost to the British society or the Scottish society of a murder is about a million pounds. By the time that is investigated and everything, there's a court proceedings and everything that goes into that, there is a cost to society. And wouldn't it be interesting if we understood what the cost to society of domestic abuse is? Because it will be huge, won't it? No, it would be amazing because now people are understanding the gravity of it, or understanding the gravity, the weight of domestic violence instead of dismissing it or, you know, the term victim blaming, because people need to understand and be aware, not just for past victims, but future victims. You need to understand what's happening out there, not always giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're going to change or dismiss when you see a red flag. You need to pay attention more and say that may lead to something more severe, more sinister. And the people who are in the authoritative roles can see it as well and prevent a lot of situations from occurring. Exactly. And I think that's what my sister and other people that are speaking about this in Scotland are relating to us. Instead of making it about criminal justice, we make it a public health issue because it has a massive effect, obviously, on the victims of domestic abuse, on the children that are living in a house with domestic abuse and what becomes their trauma and what becomes their um, toxic beliefs that they think is okay, And they sadly could become those in the future who don't have a problem with domestic violence, couldn't they? And what I've right. actually I've actually managed, which I think even surprised me uh, recently in, in a piece of work I'm doing, managed to have real compassion for people that, I don't, I don't know whether they're perpetrators of domestic abuse or not, but certainly have a lot of um, issues, have a lot of issues and don't maybe see their children. And when when I had heard a, a story about that recently, I thought, I do believe that that, that guy wants to do better. I, I do believe that. But I think his experiences, childhood, his adverse childhood experiences, his trauma, his addictions, his environment, where there is an expectation on you within certain areas to behave a way you should behave, that you just can't escape it. It was surprising for me to have compassion for a potential somebody who was in that place where they were abusive to their partner. Where is your position on that? Like, because we need to have, we need to get on the same page before we can solve it, don't we? Right. We need to have spaces safe for victims. That's for one. To yeah. gain the compassion, you have to understand where someone, where they are in their life. Yeah. And the thing is, that takes empathy. It also takes sympathy. And to imagine stepping in someone's shoes who is trying to run from their from their lives, run from, you know, these people who are trying to cause harm, trying to cause destruction within their lives. It takes having that intellect, that emotional intellect 
to understand where they're coming from, to create one, a space, to understand and the patience, because you have to be patient. The damage wasn't done overnight. Yeah. And so to recover from that is not going to be overnight. You know, if you want to say, hey, I want to give this person a ride to the store so, you know, they'll be okay. That's a band-aid over one. That's just one act. And as grateful as it is and as wonderful as it is, it's not going to help them get out of that situation. If you truly want to help someone, you have to understand and ask yourself, if I was a victim, what would I need to leave? Would I need documentation? How would I be able to, to work? How would I be able to protect myself and my family, especially with children you know, who are minors? How am I going to be able to make sure that my children and or my family is safe moving forward? Because I don't know, like, again, in Scotland, I'm not sure if you guys have, like, I know you have the protection orders, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I did see that. However, like, again, how are you going to be able to protect yourself after you receive that restraining order? Or we call it restraining order. Because if someone wants to really hurt you, that restraining order is a piece of paper. Yeah. So how are you going to continue to protect yourself? Mm-hmm. How are you going to protect yourself if you're denied a restraining order? If the judges don't see that you need a restraining order? Those are issues that are not discussed. So those are the things that go through a, a victim's mindset. And if you can understand and answer those questions for yourself, you can create space for compassion for a victim yeah, or a victim defendant. And, and I use the term victim defendants because that's not talked about victims who are fighting for their lives and then are charged with crimes. Yeah. Those are all they're the ones that also re-victimized, not just through the not just through the abuser, but through families, through courts and police who's looked at them as fellow abusers mm-hmm. and then are in, incarcerated because of that. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a, it's a very complicated situation that people think is providing a simplified answer is going to do. And it's not mm. a complicated is. problem needs complicated answers. It certainly does. It certainly does. I know that. And for any listeners in the UK, there's an organization here called Safe Lives, which is ending domestic abuse. And they offer lots of different help. And they, I'm sure they have an app where you can start to log things that happen so that as they are happening, so that you're starting to build that evidence and everything. And I think, I suppose, like, a society only gets better when we really start to deal with things like this, doesn't it? And it's in all of our interests. It's actually, even if, you you know, I say, I, I started off by saying I've never been involved in any uh, domestic abuse situations. That doesn't mean domestic abuse doesn't impact my life because... You know, there's the cost that it costs society. There's the people that are in my teams. There's my friends. There's all the people that are in my life. Domestic violence must be in other people that I know's lives. But there is still that stigma. There's still that shame. And yes, it's easier to talk about just now. But but for some people, that is just a lifelong journey they're on. And they feel as if they've got no escape from. And we all have to take responsibility for that because it's really affecting our children, isn't it? Absolutely. It affects, I mean, it affects a line, an entire generation, you know, because there's a term called epigenetics where whether, whatever you feel trauma, it can lead to the genetics of the children's yeah. children's children. Yeah. And so it is deeply, you know, underserved as far as having an understanding. It's deeply underserved as far as having things eradicated because again, people do not understand it because it's between, a, you know, it's between a relationship, a couple. And the problem is, is that unfortunately you have to understand it and in a sense of having people who are professionals, meaning having, again, 
psychologists, having scientists. Now, I'm not a neuroscientist. Again, I'm a domestic violence survivor who researched this information through an online research academy. But the point is, is that understand domestic violence. This is a much bigger situation problem than the anticipated just a couple going through it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree so much. And so what's next? For you then, Danielle, obviously you've, you've told us that you've survived domestic violence, that you've researched it, that you're an author, that you're a motivational speaker. What do you think's next for you in terms of this journey that you're on? So I would love to continue furthering my research and further creating awareness and, and fighting for victims, fighting for victim defendants, and just, you know, hopefully coming to some consensus that, hey, let's change this. There's changes, let's have this eradicated. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.